Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. This episode is sponsored by Neuro. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focused without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Once again, that's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember... Know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Welcome back again to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Sokol, and join my always my co-host and fellow comedic pal, Chris Dewar. Wow. I tell you, Chris, it is incredible that we have just passed over 10 years of friendship. This year marks 10 years since we first met on that voyage on the Celebrity Century. The Celebrity Century it was the oldest ship in the fleet, but she ran true. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago. I know it's crazy to think it's like, that was such a exciting time for both of us. And was our first kind of big, like big, I mean, I had done like a national tour, but like to go travel, like a big travel job. And yeah, I never been on a cruise ship before. That was the first time I ever got to go on one. Uh, and it's pretty, you know, Sometimes you see them out in the harbor or something, but like to actually be on one and mm-hmm. yeah, all right. that. And, uh, you know, there's so many people on those ships. You got so many, you know, obviously guests, but then crew. You really have to quickly get used to, oh, my gosh, there's my department, but there's the chefs, there's the cleaning staff, there's hospitality, there's, yeah, you know, yeah. there's so many things. So you kind of quickly find your crew if you will and yeah, yeah, yeah we we uh 
we 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 linked just from as we kind of talked about years ago on our one of our first episodes we did was uh you know all about our cruise cruising days just movies tv doing you know we would do impressions we would do quotes yeah, we would we would, uh, we would wear costumes that match the curtains and you'd like hide that was that was always <laughs> my favorite but uh oh my god yeah. those gold those gold, gold outfits no town this is Motown. Motown. yeah um but uh yeah, and I think what the credible thing about being on ships, as you said, is meeting people, not only just to meet each other, but I think one of the exciting things, kind of the, the geek of me and geeking out of entertainment was the guest entertainers. And we, we met quite a few guest entertainers, not just on our ships together, but on our separate voyages and whatnot. And one particular guest uh, still to this day, and we actually had several contracts with him, was an amazing comedian. And... You know, I'm very excited because we have him on the podcast today. And uh, uh, this gentleman, I'm so excited because we've been talking to him for a while uh, about you know being a guest and just kind of hadn't worked out until now. And so this gentleman we have, he is not only a comedian, but he's also a voice actor and also hosting his own podcast himself with a fellow comedian, another owl. Uh, and it is uh, Two Owls, One Pod. So very excited to have this funny guy, and we we definitely had a good time with them on the podcast. So please welcome to the podcast today, Al Ducharme. Al, it's so exciting to have you here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm sorry. Is this Uber Eats? I was trying to get some lunch. Uh, we were late. I, it's like very, we didn't very have, late. We didn't have the hummus. We forgot how the hummus. Did, how did you guys take over my computer? I was just on the website trying to. It's a new technology now. Well, we got you here, so <laughs> we bring the food through the computer. Is that no what more it is? delivery? Oh. All That'll right, the future. That's Maybe. what we're actually we're, we're anticipating. Is no more waiting for travel. It just shows up. I need it now. Yeah, you think it's and it'll like materialize. When when are we going to get that technology? Yeah, so. AI baby. It's all about AI. I've had artificial intelligence all my life. This AI is not new to me. So, <laughs> and anyway, anyway, I keep saying AI, but it's capital. I so I always think when I'm looking at a screen somewhere, it says my name, like someone's paging me. Al, mm-hmm. Al, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> like yours, yeah. Well, what a uh, what a great uh, way to introduce this podcast, um, Al. It's it's good to have you on here. Um, you and I got to meet actually in the infancy of my beginnings of cruise ship. Actually, it's mm. kind of funny. Um, all the three of us had met together, but we're in the unique position where Chris and I started our cruise contracts or cruise careers at the same time, and. I met you kind of the tail end when we started Alaska, and then we actually met up several times on uh, cruise ships. So um, I've loved your comedy. Um, it, it, like I said, I, I, I've seen your show so many times, like I know it by heart. I, I know you're probably annoyed because I quoted back to you, but uh, <laughs> uh, definitely one of the most underrated comedians, you know, I had the pleasure of getting to know, and we love having comedians, especially on this podcast. So we're going to jump right into it. I'd love to talk about your early starts in comedy when you first, you know, entered the comedy scene. First of all, what kind of drew you to the world of comedy and you know, what were your inspirations, you know, growing up comedian wise and whatnot? Well, thank you, first of all, for that nice little little thing you said there about uh, being underrated. And it's true because I sent you my bank statements that proves that I'm <laughs> underrated. <laughs> no, I've been very fortunate to be able to do this, actually eke out a, a comfortable living, actually, for um, all of my adult life. Like many of you, influenced by seeing stand up comedy. I never saw it live when I first saw it. I would see it on television. and um, But I would watch the sketch shows, the Saturday Night Lives and whatnot. But uh, to see the actual form of stand-up comedy, I saw, I saw some early Carlin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess um, even HBO, when it was first coming out mm-hmm. in the 80s, I would see like Eddie Murphy Raw. And, oh, wow, yeah. And various ones. But Carlin would have his uh, yearly, or every couple of years, he'd have his special. But seeing Jerry Seinfeld on The Tonight Show, I'm aging myself, with Johnny Carson, that was very inspirational to watch his six minutes, five, five and a half minutes of technically efficient comedy writing a joke and executing it about mundane things. And it's not my style at all, but I was drawn to it of how simple he -hmm. made it seem, although it it, there was much more to it. And I know Seinfeld is not everybody's cup of tea, but certainly from a comedian's perspective, the discipline, 
the focus and knowing how to execute pulled me in to the point where they started having open mics uh, at a place called Periwinkle. So it was actually called Noah's Arcade. And then they changed the name to Periwinkles. It was in downtown Providence and they had amateur night Wednesday nights. And I went down and signed up and well, I practiced my five minutes, mm -hmm. which I thought was hysterical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I gave it a go. And my first time on stage, it actually went decent. Okay. And um, it encouraged me to come back uh, a few weeks later and bomb miserably. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you definitely never forget your first couple of times, but it's funny that you say that because, you know, you think the first time, oh, I bombed. And you think about all the greats. They were never, they didn't start out like, you know, right at the gate. But um, that's kind of great that you're like, okay, I did really well. I'm going to do, you know, oh, it was bad. But you, it's this kind of keep trying and doing different stuff and things like that. Yeah, you can't be successful in this business unless you bomb. And if anybody says they've never bombed, then they've bombed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, because you just can't get better. You can't stay in the business unless you go through that uh, learning curve. That, uh, But have that you know, courage to go back up after bombing. There's a lot of people that go, I'm going to go try it. And then they bomb and then they're they never seen again. Yeah. They, I don't know what happens to them. They they change their name, their identity. They they move away. <laughs> or, they get, then, or they get very fortunate, like in the case of Larry David, who famously shouted at a, <laughs> a whole audience, you don't know what you're talking about and left and obviously went off and that kind of worked for his brand. But I did want to ask real quick, though, about your process with material. Every comedian has their own special unique way of figuring that out. Uh, what did you kind of find was the target for your brand in terms of like, what were the subjects you wanted to tackle? You know, obviously as Seinfeld is someone who kind of does every mundane things. And then Carlin was someone that would kind of do little goofy things. And he would go to the big, you know, politics and government. He, he had a drastic change in his, uh, co you know, comedy uh, life over the years, but what was kind of your starting process? And over the years, How's your material change, would you say, or evolved? Well, uh, yeah, the, the Carlin thing was uh, he kind of changed the direction of stand-up comedy, uh, yeah. you know, from the, his old school way of doing it in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. He used to wear a suit and a tie, and he was just, you know, whatever topics he was hitting. He wasn't political until later, until he went through his hippy-dippy stage. <laughs> but he took it into a different direction, as uh, um, some other comedians did, even prior was doing it differently. Um, I started out as class clown. So I was a mimic. I was a physical comedy guy. Um, I would just see things, absorb it and regurgitate it. Mm -hmm. I was influenced by movies and television and uh, absurdity. Absurdity yeah. was my thing. You're in the right place and here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it kind of was like, there was no rules for me. And it was, uh, I definitely had to put some more discipline into it to be able to acclimate to the comedy club form, but mm -hmm. also I wanted to keep myself, excuse me, separate from the monologist. A monologist will stand in front of the microphone and just have an A to Z thing mm -hmm. and just tell what, you know, just tell what they wanted to say. And uh, mine was a little bit more off script. It was a, a little bit uh, Robin Williams-ish. Uh, it was just like, even though Robin actually had, things planned out he made it seem like he was completely off the yeah, cuff yeah <laughs> all um, the time yes constantly but he did have an outline so i knew that i had to have an outline a beginning a middle and an end um but i just wasn't one to sit down and write for me it was outline perform record and i did actually develop a lot of my material on stage that's not the best way to do it that's just what was working for me with my mm. Al Ducharme disease, which they call ADD, but um, that that was my method, and some people mm -hmm. did that as well. But for the most part, anybody getting into it now, I mean, with social media platforms, you, you got to be organized mm -hmm. and disciplined, and you just got to longhand. I mean, I know people are putting things on their apps and notes, so I still do that, but I still like that pen and paper, the classic, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, and just writing it out. It, I think it sits in the brain better. Just had that tangible feeling yeah. of 
moving your hand and, you know, programming your brain. Um, but again, I'm still doing outlines and then I mm-hmm. kind of flush it out. And if something comes to mind on stage um, and it's, and they laugh, that's very exciting, you know, cause it's organic. Love that. Yeah. It must be, I've always loved kind of hearing the process of, you know, going on the road and you try out jokes and some land, some don't. And then those, okay, that's going to go into the final show. And mm-hmm. especially with these, you know, the comedians that do these big tapings, they always talk about how, you can't just go out and do that one tape and it's it's gold. You got to work to the process. Now, you've had the fortune now also as well to work on cruise ships for a long time. And from my understanding, when I was on ships as well, it's a very different beast sometimes doing stand-up comedy on a cruise ship compared to some of the club scenes. Have you had a preference of which one you 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 know enjoyed more? And obviously with ships, there's there's a whole brand of humor you can do about ship life that a lot of the guests enjoy. Uh, some of that can be quite mm-hmm. gold. Wouldn't necessarily work, you know, on land, but um, what has been mm-hmm. the process of, you know, for you now being a stamp comic on ships and the differences of that compared to the club scene? Yeah, it's a, it's two totally different things. Um, I feel as though in a club scene, especially if uh, it's a weeknight and you're just popping in to do a guest set or work on new material, there's so much more freedom to it. So um, there's a little bit more pressure on a cruise ship to do well because you're rated mm. constantly and your ratings go to the office and it dictates how much work you're going to get in the future. Um, and it's for me, I'm speaking for myself, um, it's hard to deviate from the script and be in that creative moment. Although I have, um, especially if it's like an adult night, late night show, I can go off script a little bit. But you kind of, when you're doing the family shows and you you, got, you have to be family friendly, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't curse, obviously. And innuendo slightly, but you really got to stay on that track. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. I've managed to make it work, but uh, I don't prefer it. I prefer the late night, more freedom or com. But comedy club is, it, there's no fear of bombing. So it's harder to bomb. Because you're just, I'm trying this out. I want to know if yeah, it's going to work just, or not. This is just so work. They're not laughing. Yeah. Then I know. But your your mind uh, uh, thought is the, it's different. It's just like okay, how can I make that better? And sometimes you can even bring your notes up on a thing. Oh, and you say, oh, that one didn't work. Uh, what about this one? You know, and you can try <laughs> yeah, it. And they that. and they yeah. laugh. You go, is yeah. that a keeper, folks? Some people do that. Authentic. You know, yeah. I go, all right, I'll work on that. Yeah, and they know that you're working yeah. on something. And as long as you give them a tried and true piece that's going to work to close on. So you get a big laugh. That's a good way to end it. Sometimes uh, an MC will say, Hey, he's going to come in and uh, work out some new jokes. Or sometimes the audience knows this is like an open mic Mm -hmm. An open mic doesn't mean amateur open mic means both amateur and professionals coming in to work on their material. Like Jim Gaffigan would come into uh, some of the clubs in New York city after he had blown up and he was huge. He, um, he would come into a Gotham Comedy Club and they had a packed room upstairs with 250 pa- uh, passengers, 250 customers. <laughs> I know <laughs> the lines are blurring. Oh, you can ride. But, uh, and he, they had a little uh, satellite room down in the basement and there was like 20 people. And there was the bathroom doors would open up into the, the room. and But upstairs is very professional, theater like, um, you know, small theater. But um, Jim would be downstairs in front of the 20 people with his notes running his material and doing well, you know, and doing well. And I'm like, Jim, I go, they got a packed house upstairs. You want to try this? He goes, no, I'm not ready to try in front of them. This is the workout <laughs> oh, room. Yes. And I'm like, okay, all right, successful yeah. millionaire guy. You know better than me. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's different processes. How often are you uh, on ships compared to on land? Are you kind of one of the consistent that's kind of, I mean, sometimes with the guest entertainers, it'd be like eight weeks on and, or, you know, or three months on. Are you kind sure. of consistently on ships for a while and then more on land or? Because of the pandemic, things kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. I yeah. was pretty consistent with being four to five months a year intermittently on cruise ships. And I'd usually, I usually would go for anywhere from three or four days. A week was pretty standard. And then sometimes two weeks, 
occasionally once or twice a year, it would be three weeks. But as we were coming out of the pandemic and they were starting things up, they wanted you to yeah. come on for three weeks because of the testing. And the, oh, yeah, yeah. And they sometimes they overbooked because someone would test positive. Yeah. So they have an extra act on. And it just kind of changed the whole way of doing it. And um, I would say now, you got to remember now, comedy was shut down. Stand-up live performances were shut down for nearly 18 months yeah. for the most yeah. part. Uh -huh. So I was doing Zoom comedy shows. Oh, okay. First, first nothing. For the first like four or five weeks, I go, "This is awesome. This is like a vacation. Rah, rah, rah. We're going to be back up and running before you know it." Not realizing that it was oh, yeah. dragged out. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. staring at the walls, going, "How many weeks has it been?" Yeah, it's only been two hours. What did that picture frame move? <laughs> what day is it yeah exactly was, and you keep the and you keep you know you, you kept thinking oh this is going to be another two weeks but then yeah. it, mm -hmm. it was kicked down the road further and further and you're like oh when is this going to end yeah. so then we started doing um live performances outdoors uh in mm. parking lots yeah where people were not allowed to get out of their cars <laughs> Drive through, drive through. Company. Everybody's wearing a mask outside, and then you take them <laughs> off when you go on stage because we were told this is the end of the world. This is yeah, you know, yeah basically. This is what you got to do, otherwise you're going to kill everybody. So <laughs> people would listen to a feed uh, on their FM dial on their radio, so they would hear us through their car speakers. Oh, and then they would respond by flashing their lights or tooting their horns <laughs> instead of laughter. So that was very strange. That is very. Uh, why, does this, then, why, why does this feel like a car short? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. Got three honks. Exactly. <laughs> then yeah. some people started. It was a regular thing. People started uh, bringing cowbells, oh. and then they started. Then they started handing them out. Bing ding. They would hang them out their windows and cowbells, horns, and flashing. And that was very bizarre. And then at one point they started letting people sit out in front of the vehicles on Chase Lounge. Uh, okay. you know their own furniture beach furniture and then finally they started moving them closer to the stage as time went on and and then it was like okay this is kind of like a comedy club but there's no roof there's yeah. no walls but at least they're 12 15 feet away and, okay yeah yeah there's no roof for me to blow it off but yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> so um and then eventually and i had done a, a, a number of outdoor events uh, hmm. prior to the pandemic so yeah. it started to go into that you know, they had great sound systems, a stage, lighting. Yes. So it was kind of like, oh, this is, I'm, I've done this before. And then they started putting up partitions around it. Um, again, no roof. And then mm -hmm. some of them started putting tents. They had these, you know, 14 foot high tents and like a wedding. And, uh, and then it was ridiculous because then they were all enclosed completely. It's like, why aren't we doing this inside? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty much inside, but there were regulations and I guess all the cities and towns in, in the bigger cities anyways were monitoring the situation and they would send people out mm. to make sure. But that's because no one knew. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, yeah. It was it was a very, it was a dark time in the force. Yeah, uh, some people said, oh, they overreacted, but I'd rather have people overreact then underreact and, and that it could was, have been yeah, yeah that exactly. was always the feeling was yeah and it seems a lot of it does seem silly now i'm still i'm still not sure about the whole mask thing yeah you know yeah a lot of that i i, yeah. I believe that they helped somewhat but people yeah. say that they don't help as much as they say and others say they never helped at all so i'm like i think they helped i think yeah. they i helped. mean apart I, I, apart from obviously the scare of covid i was like for a year and a half, I never got sick. Yeah. I didn't have one cold, one flu. One, Cause we weren't around anybody. Cause <laughs> no. it was like, I'm only around we, the we, same people. And we didn't really and, leave the houses at, at times. So yeah. yeah. So it was I had like, the longest stretch without getting a cold or. Yeah. It's like now anything. I'm, I'm, you know, typical over a few months or so something, you know, right now I'm battling a cold and it's like, I never got sick probably because 
I wore a mask and I was never around people. <laughs> I but, finally uh, did get it. I finally did get uh, it in yeah. June of last year, 2022. We, we can all yeah. say we've had at least one point. Yeah, so we've, so, yeah. Darn it. The cool, oh dear, the COVID got us. <laughs> but I know people that I, I had it three times. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I had it before. I had it before it was a thing. Like well, I have a I COVID punch peach card. Dishes. Yeah, was... you, get, you get seven COVIDs, eighth COVID's free. Um, <laughs> But oh man that's, um, yeah that's crazy no and i think that was great that you you brought that up because it is interesting here every comedian or entertainer's story of how they adapted you know doing the live shows and, and just kind of being creative and, and whatnot and it's funny going back to experiences this is actually kind of fun fun fact and um correct me if i'm wrong uh you were on america's got talent mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. so you're one of our alumni of three guests two other guests that we've had in the past that are uh previous alumni you know, how did that, how was that experience and how did that kind of come about that opportunity? Uh, overall, great experience, uh, great exposure. I was never interested in doing it. Yeah. I say that because it's a produced show. So they kind of steer the direction it's going to go in. Uh huh. Yeah. And they're looking for the backstory, the family story. So, mm. and I know a few comedians who are very funny who went, shot it, and it never aired. And they're like, I, I had the best set of my life. <laughs> and that's because uh, of it's a producer show. So I was uh, asked to do it three times. It's 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 nice to be asked by producers. Yeah. Uh, but it was indirect. It was through managements and, and other people that I knew. And then the third time I said, OK, I'll do it. Um, but I said, I'm not doing it. I don't, I'm not going to the cattle call. I'm not going to get in line, have them fill, fill me saying, this is my dream. I, I, <laughs> you know, when, when you're a 30-year vet of stand-up comedy, it's like, that, and that was my approach. I'm a middle-aged yeah. comedian who's underrated and never broke through to the, the you know, the ceiling. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been in, I've been in the business. So it's not <laughs> like, this is my first day. Like, Oh, Hey, you want to be a comedy? Sure. <laughs> Just like, I, you know. I've been able to sustain a living, you know, and uh, uh, comfortable and travel the world mm-hmm. and, uh, without wearing a uniform or carrying a rifle, you know, yeah. and I've been very fortunate in that regard. So, and I've certainly had my, audition and acting uh days um you know i spent years doing the actor comedian thing and wiping my calendar clear so that i could stay in los angeles and audition and and be the next tom cruise and all that stuff but uh um so i said okay so they said no we're going to put you we'll take your tape as your first audition so of course i send them a clip in a comedy club and all that and they go yes you you we, you've moved on to the judges so the second round i went in and they had me come in at seven o'clock in the morning oh and uh they filmed me and my wife because they knew we were a comedy couple and they wanted to get that backstory and they kept taking us away and filming us and and then they filming us at our house and then we went across the street I live a block away from uh, CBS Radford Studios, so there's this whole like back lot, television and movie lot that you, if you walk a hundred yards from here, you'll be in New York City. Where Seinfeld, they would film scenes there, I guess, when they were doing mm. street scenes. Yeah. So then they had us pretend we were in our house. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just filmed the outside of my house, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that was contrived, a bit contrived. Um, it, again, a wonderful experience. They finally brought me in at 10 o'clock at night. So seven in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. Oh, and wow. they keep you. You can't leave. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can't leave. They, they did. They, they actually, uh, they took us in a van to a comedy club and they filmed us doing stand up. In front of in front of no audience. Oh, that's really cool. No, no, it wasn't cool. No, no audience. <laughs> For <a> comedian. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, visually, that's cool. Yeah, it's like no. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They just want to see you like working out your material, and it's just like, yeah, it's all contrived. This is, what this is, is the, my what brain. is the deal with ghosts? <laughs> crickets, crickets. I was like, thank you, sir. Nice cardigan. <laughs> um, yeah. It's well, like, that gives I, them I can... that gives them an opportunity to put a laugh track in. Or yeah. nothing, or a boo, whatever they want to do. <laughs> yeah, at that point, they're hopefully you're the mercy. first one. Yeah, I finally go on at 10 p.m. at night. I'm toast. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I am toast. And you, you try to like go off and meditate or even try to nap, but there's always someone running up to you. Hey, we need you to shoot this other thing. And then, you know, then they, they wake you up or out of your, your days and, and then they, they have a steady cam and they make you walk through some lighting that they put up. So it looks like you're going down a tunnel of light to the Super Bowl or something. <laughs> and they put it in slow motion and they put the music, you know, it's all that in post. It's all done in post. And they go, okay, you can, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you in a little while. Then you go back and sit for three more hours. Um, so I was toast, but I knew I was getting close. So I had a coffee. I moved around physically and then it dawned on me, I'm the first comedian that oh. day. So they had been seeing singers and jugglers and acrobats and all these novelty acts, street acts and circus. I don't know what they were doing. So I would, <laughs> so when they go, um, and what do you do? I'm a comedian. They went, yeah, finally. So they, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like, I wear my bucks. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. <laughs> Thank left. you. Yeah. That's my time. <laughs> so that inspired me to go right in. And you're literally, you have two minutes. Oh, yeah. So I went right into it and they were wonderful. And I, I finished and I'm going, wow. And then, because I started thinking prior to this, I go, this is a fixed show, not a fixed show, but it's pre-planned mm -hmm. yeah heavily edited. I, go, I don't stand a chance blah 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 and then all of a sudden i'm like i think i could win this <laughs> <laughs> and you just all you want to do is get past the third round okay. now i'm already technically i'm at the second round because i was my tape was my first round so i'm like wow so then they're pumping me up and they start filming more of our b-roll Simon Cowell, who I thought was going to rip me to shreds, said, you are very, very funny. <laughs> and Heidi Klum said, I think you're one of my favorite comedians this season. The crowd goes nuts. And it's all genuine. It's like yeah. real reaction from the crowd. Whereas some of it is suspect where they might film an audience reacting mm. to somebody else and put it in front of someone else. But mine was all the real thing. So I'm thinking, this is great. And they said, you have to come back in two weeks, I guess, because they're filming other stuff. And then you go back and then all of a sudden things start to change. Mm -hmm. Then your, your, your competition is a 12 year old whose grandfather is dying of cancer and he only has six months left to live. And he wants to be a stand-up comedian and his dream that his grandfather has is to see him do stand-up comedy in front of a live audience. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I'm the middle-aged guy yeah. trying to make a pop, yeah. you know, and it's late in his career. Um, and then the uh, other person was a trans person who is a veteran comedian, very funny, but uh, he is now a she. And that trans thing started becoming very mm -hmm. uh, popular in, in uh, society. So yeah. those stories went on. And then there was a magician who did a trick that they had never seen before. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, I've seen that on cruise ships like seven times from <laughs> six different magicians. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm saying that to myself, obviously. Yeah. I'm out up there on stage. Hey, this is bullshit, man. <laughs> yeah. You are horrible. Um, yeah. yeah. No, oh and, that, and that's that's the interesting, the nature of the beast, I think, what we've learned like from America's Got Town is, I mean, it is really about the story of each person, you know, what's more the inspirational story, which I think is good because we do, there is, I think it's nice to have that goodness out there because of course there's so much, you know, content. It's like, there's a lot of, you know, negative stuff there, but I mean, at the end of the day, the opportunity is getting, regardless of you get it to the top or whatever, just getting your face out there on a national scale. Hmm. And now mm -hmm. that because of streaming, it's going everywhere. Like uh, the fact that and social media too. Yes. So that's like, okay, I only had, maybe I only got to the second round or maybe got the third, or maybe I just had the audition, but then my clip is blasted on TikTok and YouTube. And it's like, okay. And then that just kind of opens. Did that really kind of open up a, a, a new world a little bit for you? Yes. The, um, the second round, which is my first time, which was on television. They actually, it actually made the cut. Okay. Uh, and I moved on. Um, that became my calling card. That was the clip I would send out along with my regular standup. And I would put that first because it was so big, you know, professionally produced and whatnot. And the judges saying all these nice things. 
And then it goes right into my regular standup after that from a comedy club. You know, I, I ended up getting a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it definitely gave me a boost. No doubt about that. Uh, would I have done things differently? I, I would have done a couple of things different, obviously, in hindsight. But overall, great experience. And, um, you know, I didn't make it past the third round. But again, it, it, my calling card is the two-minute tape Yeah, from the first round, uh, second round. That's yeah. great. And I, I want to bring this up because you uh, you open the segue up here. Um, you, um, I think it's probably one of the first uh, comedic couples uh, or part of a comedic couple. You and your wife Bernadette uh, Polly, correct? Am I saying that? Yeah. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Bernie. You're, you're yep. both, Bernadette. You're, Bernie. You both are in the industry. Tell us, like, what's that like? If, if you can't tell us how you met, you know, are you constantly helping each other material? Is it like you'd imagine? You know, two comedians like, oh, what do you think of this? And and I and I've enjoyed your social stuff because I love I know a lot of it's comedic, but I just love your like two minute minute clips of your banter and humor, especially when you guys are like doing the comedy clubs or you know traveling together. Yeah, we do. Um, we met in a comedy club okay. in New York City, but we're both from New England, so um, okay. we we have similar backgrounds, working class, blue collar. So our family members are very similar in that regard, and. Uh, but we met at a comedy club, a, a comic strip live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And we started hanging out with a cluster of, it was eight to 12 of us at various times that would hang out. Uh-huh. That got along. We're all very competitive anyways, but yeah. we all kind of, we some of us will help one another with, you know, some tips and some, hey, so-and-so is booking the thing. You guys should get in touch with him. I already did it because comedians usually will only give you that information after they've done it. You know? Yeah. Like, hey, this is great gig. You guys should do it first. They're letting you know that they did a great gig. Yeah. So their ego is inflamed or inflated. And then um, they tell you that because uh, they can't go back for, you know, a year to two years. So they're like, Hey, you guys should, or there's someone say, Hey, they asked me about some comedians. I threw your name in there. So your competition in one regard, but you're also trying to, uh, help one another out uh, some camaraderie if you like a person you know so uh we were hanging in that group and then bernadette actually moved closer to my neighborhood and um uh you know lovely gal she would uh <laughs> she would dress down and do no makeup or minimum makeup and go up on stage because she was getting the pretty girl uh category and she didn't yep. want that because mm-hmm. she's very she's pretty bright she has a you know, she has something to say on stage. Um, so she started doing that. And then um, it morphed into what she's doing now. And she's been very successful at it. But yeah, we um, she moved to my area, my neighborhood. So then we started, let's take a crosstown bus home and walk mm-hmm. 20 blocks to our neighborhood after the show and wind down and talk comedy and talk life. And then, okay, let's take a taxi. It's raining out. Let's... let's uh, Let's take the subway. We'll go to another club and try to get some stage time there. And then most of the time we were hanging out with other people. And then the, you know, it just kept smaller and smaller group. And then it was just the two of us hanging out. And then um, we said, Hey, let's go get a, let's go get a beer and a sandwich or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a few times of that. And then I stuck my tongue in her mouth at one point. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) One thing led to the other. And And then I went lizard mode. (laughs) (laughs) Working on this new bit. It's called the lizard. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think of this? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we we had two apartments. And then we, uh, at some point, we started to cohabitate. And we kept one apartment. Like, why are we doing this? So then we Mm -hmm. let that apartment go and. We moved into a two-bedroom apartment so that we could still have a guest over. And finding a two-bedroom apartment as a struggling artist on the Upper West Side of Manhattan is unheard of. But oh, yeah. Yeah. the um, property manager of her building uh, knew the property manager of the other building. It was the same owner, but different managers. Mm-hmm. And she loved Bernadette. And she said, oh, yes, I met this guy and he's a comedian, da, 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 da. And she goes, and she goes, are there any two bedrooms? And she goes, oh, why didn't you call me before? No, you idiot. <laughs> yes, I, I'm doing an accent. I have no idea where she's from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very nondescript. I just assume. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, okay, I put you on this list. She put us on the list. And we're thinking, oh, it's a six-month waiting list. And then sure enough, I was actually playing golf. 
I was with a um, comedy club owner, Booker guy, and I'm trying to kiss ass and play golf yeah. with him. And he's having the game of his life. He's, he's shooting his best score on this course and he's loving it. And I get the phone call. Hey, a two bedroom opened up right now, but you got to go there within the next hour. Otherwise it's going to go. And it was super reasonable. So I say to him, I have to leave. And he drove, he drove. He goes, he goes, I'm having the game of my life. I've been trying to conquer this hole. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, but at the apartment, he goes, I get it. I know. So we drove down. He waited outside. I went in, looked at the apartment. We got approved. And then we moved in together permanently. So it was a big step for us. And our relationship, uh, we got married a couple of years later. And we've been married for 18 years. Oh, wow. That's nice. awesome. Congrats. Wow. I figured two more to go. And I'm, and I'm out. <laughs> that's that's I love the hopeful spirit. Well, well, we 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 do this banter on social media uh, about yeah, the yeah, yeah. cranky old couple together. But because we spend six months apart from one another, I think out of the eighteen years we've only been together nine, and I yeah. think that's the key to our success. And also, a lot of the times when I'm bashing Bernadette, it's because she wrote it, uh, yeah, or I approved it. I said, or I'll say something off the cuff. She goes, you got to put that. You got to say that. I'm like, no, no, they're going to think I'm an asshole. No, you got to do it. Like recently, I, I we just did one recently. She she made fun of me. She goes, I married an eight-year-old adult or something like that. No, no, I know what it was. That was the, she said, um, all these famous guys that have been canceled are doing better than ever. If I could just figure out a way to get my husband to be canceled. So I posted underneath you're fat. That ought to do it. But <laughs> she approved it. So I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that though. There's a, there's a, no, do that. Do that. Yeah. Basically. And sometimes she'll just write it and she'll say it. And I start howling. She goes, this slips you, you the paper. Why don't you yeah, why you don't could you, say um, that. I approve that. that. It's like, am I allowed to? Yes. You have, you have my consent. I love <laughs> it's, that. it's working out. Well, yeah, you, have, you gotta, I think with both of you as comedians, you gotta be, you know, playful and there's, there's that, you know, respect of the joke, you know, jokes are jokes and you're not, you know, you're not saying anything to be mean or spiteful. It's for, it's for a laugh and for a good time, you know, which I love. But we're still a couple yeah. and we yeah. still have our bickering sessions and our disagreements and um, makeup times and all that. So that's all a part of it. Is it a barrel of laughs all the time? Certainly not. But mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, we, we do find humor in our everyday lives, because that's also a, a part of our job, you know, to yeah. cultivate materials. And a lot of it does come from here, you know, okay. our marriage now, because we're both doing a little bit of marriage material throughout our acts. I love, love that. that. Um, I wanted to bring up F is for Family. So you had an opportunity to be on that show. Uh, Bill Burr is one of my all-time favorite comedians. Here. Um, really? And he's got- He's a, here now. Bill, yeah. I've got two fans. <laughs> Imagine. All right, he's talking Do, to me. No, no. That. finish your call. Finish your call. He's busy right now. Oh God, he's, he made a movie. He, he's why. a very, uh, he's got a very particular style of comedy, and uh, it was great that he got to do the show and you got to be part of it. So tell us about working on Efforts for Family and your character of Anthony. Well, I've known Bill for a long time. When he first started out and started breaking through, he was actually opening and featuring for me and some of my my colleagues at mm -hmm. my level. Tom Cotter, Greg Fitzsimmons, and a few others. But all those guys, uh, there was a, a few guys that came up after me. It was Joe Rogan, Mark Maron, mm -hmm. a few other biggies now. And uh, we we're so we we're all like around one another. But once you start headlining, you don't see the headliners as much. You start mm -hmm. seeing these other guys. So, you know, Bill and I, we do usually do a three-man show up in New England, uh, mostly, mostly men. Um, I think there was uh, one woman for every 20 male comics at the time. Um, that's just the way it was, the ratio. <laughs> yeah. And the women that were working were getting a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Comedians were a dime a dozen up in the Northeast Corridor. But there was all these little satellite rooms. And there was like a, a restaurant had a function room. A hotel had a a, a conference or a ballroom. Or, uh, so all, all of a sudden they started doing uh, Monday Night Funnies. In a corporate uh, area, they had a um, TGA Fridays. They're doing comedy. So there was like stand-up comedy was popping up everywhere. And uh, 
I would work with all these guys and that's where we cut our teeth. So Bill's going up there doing his 10, 15 minutes featuring. And then uh, I'd go up and close it out doing my fart noises and uh, <laughs> drunk people were happy. Some people were there trying to get, you know, they're trying to hook up with other people. So like, why is there a comedy show? But that's where we <laughs> learned our craft. We started breaking into the uh, college market where you would actually go and uh, showcase in front of uh buyers for colleges mm. and uh, you get hired and do these college tours. Uh, so Bill got into that as well. And all of a sudden we're doing college tours and those usually one person shows. Mm -hmm. So then I'm seeing Bill really get into the mix. And then he just started like going down his own little path there. And uh, he broke out by having a, a really horrible set in Philadelphia. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he turned the crowd around and destroyed. And then that was the turning point in his career. Wow. And yeah. he just, one thing led to another. And he became this monster uh, comedian and very disciplined. A, a friend of ours, uh, Pete Cummins, the late Pete Cummins had passed away Um. He was in his 40s and uh, he had twin boys, 10 year olds, and he was planking or something, doing some exercises. He was very fit and he, he had an aneurysm, I guess, and died instantly. Mm. And so the comedians, his, his buddies, we started out with Pete as well. Um, Bill said, Hey, he called up all of us, we got to do a benefit. We got to do a benefit, you know, for the family, for the boys. I'm like, Well, we're all on board. So now I haven't worked with Bill in years because we've gone on different directions and occasionally I would see him, but we haven't really worked together. So I go up there and I do the best of, and this is after Efforts for Family had already been on for a season and he's come up to me, he goes, dude, I was thinking about you, but that little, that kid voice you do for this one particular character that we have, we've written on the show, we've mentioned him, we haven't introduced him yet. And we've run out of voiceover actors. So we're, you know, um, send me all your clips and all your stuff, but get that kid on the phone bit that you do. So good. And I said, and, um, you know, I got to pass it along to the showrunner and the producers. Da, 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 da. Even though it's his show, he's yeah. got to yeah, answer to people. Yeah, cut, cut through the tape and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he plays my clips and all that in the writer's room. And I guess there's like, I don't know, 12 writers and they're, all howling and the showrunner goes that's it that's the character and apparently i guess they from what they told me it was a struggle to find out how to zero in mm -hmm. on the character and they brought me into a table read it was in a hotel not far from here so they had their whatever room that is where they pull, open the walls and you can fit a few hundred people in there and it was um a big long table and it was a T-shaped and all the executives from Netflix, the animation show, you know, this is executive produced by Vince Vaughn. So yeah. he's there and all these people. And then there's some celebrities that do voiceovers on the show. And I had no idea. It's like a big thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought we we're going to go, I'm reading a table read for a cartoon. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's all. Something simple. It. Yeah. Okay. And they get to me and I do my, you know what, you know what? And I read the line after that and they're all howling. They're all just howling. I'm like, I've been doing this in my act for eight years. But I'm killing. <laughs> Where, have you... Where have you been? I didn't realize that I had no idea it was funny. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 I thought it was funny at a comedy club. I didn't think it was going to be. Oh, it, it's, it's, that's one of my favorite bits of yours, especially the whole, you know, oh, and I'm, I'm running to the airport and, um, you know, and then I've got to get the security. Oh, someone wants to talk to you. And the, it's so spot on though. It's a, just your distinct voice. And it's just, but it's like so universal that I think it's just- Well, that's perfect. what it derives from. It was my friends who were all getting married and having children. And they were, you know, when I'd go to visit them, I do my characters and noise to make the, you know, to make the four-year-old, the three-year-old, five-year-old laugh. So they started putting their kids on the phone with me. I had no idea it was going to go any further than, you know- and so that's where the bit came from. My friends put their small children on the phone with me because I do voices. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I do an impression of them. That's how it came about. But apparently it struck a chord with uh, the showrunners and the writers. And then 
I finish the table read. I get a big hug from everybody. Welcome to the family. I'm like, what? Yeah. Welcome to the, you're, he goes, you're in the cast. And I was like, first of all, I was like, thank you. This is incredible. But I thought I was already hired. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just thought it was, you've been hired to do, a, I've done voiceover work before. That's why. But I had no idea until I walked into that. I go, why are we having it in a hotel? How come I don't just have it in a, a room in some building somewhere, you know? Yeah. This is, but it was a big, it was a big thing. And um, and then they paid me handsomely for the table reads. Plus, you get paid for the studios. So I'm like, I'm only going to do two cruises this year. <laughs> exactly, that's awesome. <laughs> but um, it was great. Of course, the pandemic came, and then uh, we were halted for a while. And I, uh, we couldn't go in the studio to record, so I started doing it from my closet which is in, i'm in my office right now and so i had to do a makeshift uh sound booth so i i opened up it has two closet doors and then you you can step in it's not like a walk-in but you can step in mm -hmm. and then i started pulling out the clothes i'm like no this actually is good for sound so i put those back in i put some pillows and then i hung a curtain a soundproof curtain on the outside bought a nice microphone and then i just started having a, a session just like this i'd have uh, writers uh, producers and showrunners and then we would record our line sometimes it would be with another actor most of the time it was solo though because they just inserted you in mm -hmm. and then we started going back to the uh, studios after that and but they wouldn't have us go in with the other actors because mm -hmm. of covid yeah but um even even then they had a big 75 inch screen tv with all the producers and whoever writers in the studio and then there was one engineer behind the glass so you never came in contact with anybody yeah and when you came in the building someone answered you know with a gas mask <laughs> this way i'm like what is this an snm club what's happening here it's, uh... but that's but that's it all worked fantastic. out yeah. and uh bill was very gracious to to hook me up and uh then he um he hooked me up with a few other things and with some representation and uh and he's a big cigar guy so all of a sudden like we're hanging out smoking cigars all the time and because he doesn't live far from here and then uh he flew me into vegas to open up for him uh for three shows that was crazy wow, oh, wow. Cool. yeah so cool. um yeah it was like 20 2800 people 2900 people it was like nuts yeah this is and this is still you know covid times it's last year so i was like whoa yeah. <laughs> it was the biggest crowd i've ever been in front of you oh, know because even the cruise ships at the time were doing one third to a half mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know yeah. capacity this was like all right this is vegas america yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's um that's surreal i was like man i i love it i love having a story with bill burr i'm like this is like yeah i, was, I had a cigar with this guy this yeah is, that's surreal kind of cool the last big thing we want to talk to you about um because this has been you know ongoing fantastic comedic partnership with your buddy al romas talking dicks i didn't think i'd probably say this on this podcast before but uh this was a great <laughs> this is a great homage I, I would say to the gumshoe detectives of of the heyday and i love seeing like a lot of your your skits and stuff you're working on. And then it kind of transit into this podcast, which now is dubbed two owls, one pod, uh, which I just love. How did, how did that partnership come about and, and tell us about your, your podcast? Well, I had met Al in the New York uh, comedy circuit many, many years ago. And we just hit it off. He was a long Island guy. I was a new England guy and he was coming into the club scenes at night. I actually, he actually had an apartment. He had two roommates um, so we just keep bumping into one another at the clubs and we just hit it off before we go on stage, goofing around. And then he moved out of the city. He, he, uh, started working cruise ships and, uh, his, uh, he had, his marriage ended in divorce. So he said, I'm out of here. He bought a condominium in Tampa for a pittance. And it was, you know, a cab ride to the cruise ships. And he just started working that and saving his money and ended up getting remarried. I start working cruise ships years later and we bump into one another and 
I'm like, hey, man, good to see you. It's like, even when we saw one another in between a few times, we would just pick it up right where we left off, goofing, goofing yeah. around, being smarmy and saying silly things. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, I want to, I got this idea for a video I'd like to do, blah, 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 blah. So we made one and it was kind of silly. It was called The Tale of Two Owls and it was about us getting shipwrecked <laughs> during hurricane season on the cruise line. There was actually a hurricane, Maria, I think it was, or something we were running away from and sailing around and they had to cancel some ports and whatnot. So we made that. That was fun. One month later, we're working together again. And I said, hey, I have this other idea about these two 1950s politically incorrect uh, cops and they're interrogating somebody, but the camera is the person they're interrogating. And we just kind of keep walking into the, we keep opening the door and taking turns, but the door is like the third character and the person is the fourth character. So it's actually four characters, but two of us are real. And the other one is a door mm -hmm. and the other one is the camera. And we did this little five minute thing. We grabbed one of the conference rooms on the ship without permission. He's like, we should ask just in case. I'm like, no, no, no. Better to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. So we went in there and there was actually a conference going on <laughs> on the other side. But we, I said, dress in a suit. If you dress in a suit, no one's going to ask. If you go down there in sneakers and they're going to go, what are you doing here? So we dressed in suits oh, yeah. and everybody stayed away from them. They're official. <laughs> and then we went in. I set up the camera. We had bullet points. We were smoking cigars and talking about it all week. And then like the second to the last day, we went in there. We improvised it with our bullet points. And we shot for about 35 minutes. And I grabbed the footage and I started editing. I was trying to get it down to like two minutes, a minute and a half, two minutes. And I was howling laughing i couldn't like i had to stop i'm saying this is funny i go but i'm in it he's in it i said i'm laughing at both of us so i go dude i got this down to like five and a half minutes and i'm having a hard time getting it cutting it in half i go i'm tears were coming out of my eyes laughing i go what do you think and he, he's like howling he goes put it up the way it is put it up the way it is yeah. so I, I tightened it just a slightly more and I put it up and all of a sudden we had like 20,000 views um, in a short period of time. I'm like, holy cow. And everybody's wow. commenting on it and sharing it. So we said, let's make this a series. And we made 17 episodes. I think 15 of them are pretty solid. There's two duds, but uh, we called it the two dicks. And <laughs> when the pandemic happened, it morphed into the talking dicks comedy podcast but we kept getting pulled down because of our title, because of the Dicks title, mm -hmm. because they, they began tightening up. And if you typed in the two Dicks and you look at images, it's not going to yeah. be pretty. It's going to be, <laughs> it's not good. So reluctantly, after a couple of years, two and a half years, we changed it to two owls, one pod. That's what it is now. And it's a little easier to post without getting pulled down. It doesn't get, it hasn't been pulled down since. Well, good. Good. That's that's one thing. They'd be like, you can't have that title. But we're not saying it's actual dicks. <laughs> and, and there's other things Detectives, that have dicks in the know? title that have been grandfathered in. They just didn't want anybody new. Oh, I'm know. sure. I'm sure. That was yeah. that. The cutoff period. <laughs> well, look, Al, we, we, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. But before we let you go, we have our five podcast questions. We've been asking all these questions. Now, these are podcast questions about you, our guests. So I'll start us off. What is your favorite movie? That's very tough. There's different categories. My favorite uh, Spaghetti know, Western so is tough. right up there is one of my favorite films. Is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I have a giant poster in my living room downstairs of it that's uh, pasted on canvas and framed with uh, museum glass so there's no reflection. It's, it's a, that's a prize for me. It's oh. above my fireplace. Um I love that genre, love that. that spaghetti western genre. It's incorporated as one of my bits in my act, one of my staple bits. But I love uh, comedy-wise. Okay. I love uh, author uh, with Dudley Moore. Oh, um, classic! I love oh, that yeah. so so much. One of my favorites. But I also like sappy uh, movies. Uh, a Blake Edwards film from the nineteen sixties called Breakfast at Tiffany's with Audrey Hepburn. It's mm -hmm. just it's just a delightful little sappy film. And I, I like it. I like it so much. Um, I love that. So I can't. It's hard to pick one. No, it you know? is. It is. I mean, I espionage. Always, I can go like... three days of the Condor with oh, Robert yeah. Redford. You know, it's like oh, yeah. no, I'm all over sure. the boards yeah. here. You know, same, same with us. It is tough. Um, 
Number two, this might be challenging as well. What is a favorite TV series of yours or one of your favorites? Again, that's another tough one, but uh, I enjoyed the Seinfelds because mm-hmm. you can get in 22 minutes, yeah. you get the whole thing with all the characters, sitcom wise. But uh, I'm sure like right now I'm watching Succession mm. streaming on HBO. Mm. That's um, that Brian Cox who plays Logan. Oh, so good. Uh, he's so good. he's just such a great, uh, the entire cast is incredible. Um, I'm digging that. Um, also, that short uh, live series there um, was called uh, Fleabag. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the woman. Oh, yeah. Who's trying to start Bridge. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's yeah. fantastic. And she was also head writer on Killing Eve first couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's about to be Indiana Jones's. Uh, yes. There we go. That was exciting. Um, the next question is, uh, what's your favorite video game or video game series? Are you a gamer? I used to, um, uh, Medal of Honor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, is there yeah. an updated version of it? There might be. I know that I think the Call of Duty has kind be, of yeah. taken over for a while, but I, I do yeah. remember playing Call those. of Duty. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but you're, you're, you love, you love the good, like the war films and stuff like that. Those well, the games. World War II genre again, I, that's, I, I love that whole aspect of that. Um, nice. we are typically a nerdy podcast. Uh, uh, we always like to nerd out with stuff and nerd can be many things, but how would you rank yourself as a nerd on level of scale of one to 10? One, you know, a little bit about some things and 10, you're just, you nerd about all kinds of stuff. Uh, five, five or six, okay. I would say on the nerd scale, on the turd scale, 10. <laughs> That's the first year on the podcast. We've been, we've been we done the turd, turd scale, scale yet, but we love self-deprecation. You got to have yeah. it. Now, our last question for you is we love to do impressions on this show. So give us your best impression. It can be literally of anything or or an impression you like to do. I used to do this with well, Taylor and I used to have uh, dueling, dueling Christopher Walken's. Oh, great. And we, uh, wow. And, you you know, Taylor had it dialed in. Mine was always a little exaggerated, outlandish, but uh, we still just sit there and go back and forth. Taylor, are you going to have a drink? I kind of have a. I just walking around, it's crazy. On the seven seas, Al and Tal. No, that doesn't work because it's Taylor. But whatever, let's go with wow. it. Wow, <laughs> whoa, yeah, um. whoa. <laughs> this morning, I was hungry and I had toast and some juice. And I got to tell you, wow. <laughs> a lot of pulp. I love it. A lot of pulp. <laughs> no fiction. I was in that. Oh my god! <laughs> so we used to do that. Yeah, Love you know it. every. That was one when of the bump when we in passing sometimes, or when we got together. We at the end of the night after a long day. That's how I kind of bought it with Chris. That's, too. that's how we yeah, <laughs> with, with the uh, opening uh, impressions that started our friendship. Well, uh, well, again, thank you, Al, for being on Absolutely. the podcast today. So thanks for having me, guys. You already mentioned obviously two hours one pod. Check out that podcast. But if people want to follow you on social media, where can people? see your stuff well my handle is stand up al so at stand up al kind of brings you sort of to my social media instagram twitter um i'm not a tiktok guy can you believe it i, I, I have wow. i have i have not TikTok. tiktok i haven't made a i haven't made a video i don't i don't got time but uh <laughs> yeah i like to watch tiktok is it gonna be banned i don't know yeah. it, may, it may be banned we'll, we'll see what see. happens we'll see but uh, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for so being much. On, man. I'm actually going to go right into my podcast now. Perfect time. Two hours. Recording to recording. Love that. <laughs> Take Thanks, care. Al, for being Take care. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was great. Well, Taylor, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think Al's got a great sense of humor. And you know, there's there's the one side that you have to come up with material, but there's on the fly. There's on the fly humor of Literally just out knowing. The gate, he yeah. was already. <laughs> and that's a great, you know, I feel like every comedian and artist, you know, you have to have that intuition to know, like, maybe I got to pivot mm-hmm. mid show. This, yeah. this, this, this is not working. I got to move on. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to hear about the process. And, you know, I remember when I was on ships, just thinking like, Oh, there's comedians on here and thinking, you know, that's, that's gotta be a, a very different breed just because although yes, there's a good mix of all ages, you're often playing to, you know, groups that are much older, uh, depending on the, the cruise line. 
Whereas when you go to a comedy club, you know, generally that's more of a younger audience kind of vibe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending or, you know, mid range. Um, I'm sure there's still some people up there that still love comedy and, you know, go in. I remember, you know, Bing Crosby and, you know, Buddy <laughs> Holly, you know, whatever. But uh, when we get but he's a lot of fun. And, yeah. But yeah, he was he was great. He was a lot of fun. And it'd be fun to start listening to his uh, podcast. I love the idea of that. Two owls, one pod. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a movie title, you know. <laughs> well, it, it, it was better than the the first one they had, which was you know talking dicks. So it was like they mess up the algorithm. But I, I like yeah, that one. I think it's funny, you know. I know it's a good play on. But hey, and but just hearing about stories and talking about like Bill Burr and 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 mm-hmm. you know knowing him way back when, it's a humbling experience to know that, and just hearing his process of how he comes up with his stuff and how he still is kind of old school writing stuff down on a piece of paper yeah. and. But yeah, so so much fun, and I I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. I know he's on the grind with land tours and working on the cruise ships, and obviously with him and his wife uh, Bernadette, um, they make quite a comedic team. So uh, definitely enjoyed it. I hope that all our listeners out there, you get a chance uh, to follow his podcast, follow his comedy. Uh, if he's performing near you, or if you're on a ship uh, and you see Al Ducharme, do not miss because you are in for a real treat, but I'm so glad we got that intimate experience and definitely a lot of laughs along the way. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the potential podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the potential podcast or on Twitter at the potential pod, or you can email us, send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, the potential podcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.